Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Well, hey, everybody. We are officially kicking off our first Hindsight Podcast. Yes. We are going to be talking today um, with Russ and Julie Crossan. Russ and Julie have been married for 30 plus years. They've got three boys who are now grown and they have now started building their family through grandchildren as well. Yeah, we're pretty excited. So this is the first big deal for us uh, rolling out with couples. Uh, you know, the first one, you guys um, got to hear a little bit about just who we are and, and what our plan is with this with this podcast. But now we actually get to get into it, uh, the nitty gritty with a couple. And the Crossons were fantastic. We walked away with pages and notes. It was one of those where we've even started already implementing some of these ideas right. uh, and things we learned from. So it's been really cool to, to start to put some of that in place. And this was one, too, where when we came back, we were sharing with our friends. And they're like, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. And so this was one of those that really fueled us to the podcast at large. Yeah. So in this one today, this first episode, uh, we're going to get into a little bit about more about their family, what it's like parenting three boys. Uh, they talk about this idea of modeling and also about preparing them for launching out of the high school years into college. And they did that three times right. with their boys. And then there's this fun, crazy, uh, a little bit of an awesome idea, one that I did not grow up with. All right. Wait for it. It's a big one. Yeah. No curfew. <laughs> so, so I know they're going to talk a little bit about with high this, this idea of, of no, and high school boys, right? Uh, this Hurry idea up. of no, uh, this no curfew. So let's jump in and hear from the Crossons. All right. Well, we're excited to be sitting down today with Russ and Julie Crossan. Um, thank you guys so much for making time to just sit down and share just a little bit of your story, um, parenting, and your journey that you guys have gone through. I think we're going to be able to learn a lot, a lot from you guys today. Um, before we get started, can you guys give us maybe just a brief history of uh, who you guys are and just a little bit about your family? Well, we've been wonderfully married for 36 years. Mm-hmm. month ago and have three boys, um, 31, 29, and 26. The older two are married and have three grandchildren and one on the way, so we're excited about that. And uh, we've told them we want one a year so we can have cousin camp later. <laughs> so far that's working out. And um, uh, I grew up on a farm in Kansas and cool. um, came here over 35 years ago to go to work for a startup financial services company and met my lovely bride in Kansas City and she was a nurse anesthetist and that's, um, she followed me to Atlanta. Yep. And I was born and raised in Kansas City, and um, my folks were strong believers, uh, involved with um, some ministries. My dad was a doctor. I ended up going into nurse's anesthesia to follow him, um, and at about that point, swallowed feminism, full, full ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that was when I met Russ, and I was not interested in marriage, family, but wasn't interested in him either. Uh, <laughs> but uh, God did a huge work in my heart over about nine months. And then when he, bless his heart, asked me to marry him and I told him no, um, really had a, a kind of a come to Jesus where the Lord just really uh, just spoke to me that this is who I prayed for, this is who he had for me, and I had a, I had a problem with wanting my own way. So I laid it all down, agreed to submit, agreed to live on a teacher's salary because at that point he was a math teacher and coached basketball and football. So that's how we got married. 
Um, then I figured I had married a teacher, and a year later, um, God really called him to, to do this financial services thing that had a, a biblical background. And so we put everything in the U-Haul and moved to Atlanta. Okay. So that was, um, we, we had prayed that, especially I had, that God would change my heart about it. I wasn't against having children. It's just that I had come for so long thinking that children would interfere with my life. Just really prayed that God would change my heart to really wanting them. And mm-hmm. he did that. So we, um, we ended up, uh, I ended up quitting and um, we started our family uh, about four and a half years after we got married. Okay. So, but uh, so it's been quite a ride since then. Yeah, there's a whole nother time. I think we need to sit down and talk about that when you said no to him. That, yeah, that, I'd love to hear the story around that. That was the whole issue of submission and yeah. not wanting to be poor. And, 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 <laughs> she always thought she'd marry a doctor and school teacher. That's making seven fifty a month. And I know, right? That's right. <laughs> Living in your car, but I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing just a a quick snapshot. Um, So what we're really wanting to talk through with you guys, the season we're getting ready to head into is this teenage season. And obviously with where you guys are now and you've got grandkids, and so you've journeyed through that season uh, with three boys um, that uh, that it sounds like they're doing amazing and just really fun being involved in their lives now. So we're trying to learn how do we best look ahead to navigate that season. Um, so when you think through that and thinking through those, uh, whether it was early teens, that middle school, high school, um, things like that, that's kind of where we're going to be mm-hmm. heading. So how would you describe, now that you've gone through all that and where your kids are today, what's your relationship like now with your kids? Well, we didn't kill them in their teen years, so we have a good relationship <laughs> now. You know, that's what they, that's what they, they survived. Grand, yes. Grandchildren are your reward for not killing your kids when they go through the stupid years. <laughs> <laughs> we call teen years stupid years. Okay. okay. I can see some of that already yeah. evidence there. Yeah, there's but evidence. By God's grace, and I think, you know, Chris and Jan, the key thing is, you know, we were, we were intentional during those years the best we could, had some rocky times, but... Today, you know, we have a good relationship. And I think the kids would all say they have a good relationship with us, and, and so we're, we're humbled and grateful for that. And um, So, yeah, that's, I think that's where we are today. Uh, but. but we did stay involved. We, we felt like um, when we entered into the teen years that that's when they needed us probably the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to stay involved and stay engaged, um, which is hard, I think. I think it's easier to, to just decide that they're, it's, it's worthless, they're hopeless, um, but as we stayed engaged with them, uh, that was one of the things. Our son, our middle son, was the one that probably gave us the most heartache for three years. Didn't want anything to do with us or, or God. Uh, hmm. Really gave up God and the Bible, everything that we thought we had a foundation. Um, and it was over a girl, and we we thought we'd lost him, and it was it was devastating. But uh, especially Russ felt I, I was I'm more like you know what I'm kind of a drill sergeant. We just need to nail him to the floor. He's, he's disrespectful. He, you know, he's not appreciative. Uh, but Russ felt like, um, you know, he's 17, 16 to 19 is when all this was going on. Russ really felt like we need to err on the side of relationship. We need to mm-hmm. love this kid. We need to keep the rules. And so we did. He still had consequences. We still have rules. Yeah. But we need to err on the side of relationship so that this kid feels loved. Uh, even though we have to say and do the hard things. Uh, but we don't pull away from him. And when they got married, uh, he got married at 23. Uh, when they got married, they gave us a plaque 
that said thank you for standing with me. He wrote it, the two of them together, but thank you for standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with me when I needed you to. Wow. So That was a tough time, but it was worth it because and I, I, I think that's one of the key takeaways from all that is you just stay engaged and fight for your kids yeah. even if you don't know what to do. Yeah. And we didn't. And we, we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know whether to nail them to the wall or give him freedom. Or we were checking parking lots at midnight in how you know driveways to see if he is where he was. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it was it was to a that tough, point. It was a tough time. Hmm. So I think the takeaway though is your kids. Are, here, if I had to say one thing, you you won't know what to do every time, but you stay in there and fight for them and ask God for wisdom. And here's what we realized after the fact: the kids were watching. Hmm. We'd have given up, but there was times like, okay, well, two out of three ain't bad, right? So let's give up on you. <laughs> um, but, but they were watching, and they've all told us, all the boys have said, at the end of the day, um, they were watching how we were responding, how we were getting along, her and I, and um, and the fact that we were going to God and all that. And, and the thing about your kids is, even though they act like they're not listening, especially in the teen years, they're listening, and they're not missing a thing. Hmm. And if I had to tell couples, we were asked to speak on raising boys at our Sunday school class, and if you had to summarize it, you're you're just modeling it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna fall far from the tree. And so if they don't feel like you don't feel like they're listening, nothing seems to be getting through. Don't be deceived. They're picking up everything and they're watching. Hmm. Yeah. Mom and dad stressed out, or yeah. they going to God. They knew I was out walking and praying. They, right. they laugh about it now. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, dad we went for dad a walk. Dad was out walking and praying, you know, because he would, he would come home and there'd be some something going on, and he goes, Dad out walking and praying again. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so I think, yeah, a couple things on that whole teen year thing, and I don't know if this would have made it any better um, early on, but one thing I would say to couples that caught us blindsided was the language today for dating is different than when when maybe I mean you guys are younger than us but right. it was definitely different than what we were used to and so I would just encourage couples to really know the language the kids are using right yeah because our well, son came and said I want to go out with this girl I'm like well fine you can go out sure, with her fine but in today's vernacular that was like go steady in my vernacular you know yeah. 30 was, 40 years ago which, which right. I would not have said that and then they have words like player and all this kind of stuff that, <laughs> that they've made a negative thing. And so I just... Which really isn't. Which, which I just think that you just better know there's a different language. That's good. Yeah. Right. And, and that caught us. I wasn't aware. Of, I wasn't prepared hmm. for that. You know, they get to be, mm -hmm. you know, 14, 15, 16. You just better understand what you mean and what they mean by what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. We, Start we, a new dictionary. Yeah. Teenager dictionary. Yeah. Well, it is. It's different today. And it changes. And there's a, yeah, how many different versions, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that was our version. I don't know what So when I, you know, I define dating as a social engagement with a member of the opposite sex, okay, that's what dating is. But they, you know, they're, they're low to call it dating. And if you, if you have a social engagement with a member of the opposite sex with more than one person, well, now you're a player and that's a bad thing. And so anyway. Well, it wasn't. You know, you just get to know different people, but that's not the culture. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And the other thing I would say about those early teen years is we didn't we didn't have clear rules on the phone because my oldest our oldest was not ever an issue he just wasn't on the phone he's our phlegmatic yeah wasn't an issue then you get our sanguine middle child that's the other thing I would say to people make sure you know your kids temperaments that would really help yes as you're navigating these years because hmm. they're all different we had a phlegmatic sanguine and then a um, uh, choleric. choleric so 
You had clerk, one of each. Luckily, <laughs> the clerk, we understood because that's us. So the other yeah. two, we didn't. It was harder. But <clears throat> I, we could have saved ourselves some grief, I think, had we been a little clearer on the, the use of the cell phone at, at home. Yeah. Because, you know, calls coming in at two in the morning, we didn't know about didn't all this. Know that. And so I would just And were say, cell phones, they weren't, they were just, they were just evolving, started, right? Just so that wasn't the They didn't have pictures on them. At that point, yeah. they could just get a hold of each other. They weren't texting or pictures, but they could call at two and four in the morning. And that right. point, our middle one, somebody would call and he'd well, the girl, leave so, the house. So, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't know. So, yeah. right. so all we had to say was, hey, you come home, the phone goes in the drawer or yeah. something. You know, just yeah. Like, the charger. Just, just something to think about as a family. Yeah. Because... This total connectivity all the time is not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing we have learned from someone already ahead of us is that they have to turn in their phones at night. Yeah. And yeah. they just go in and they charge them in our room and that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we got blindsided by that. So, yeah, it's um, we love our kids and they love us now. Um, but I think the biggest thing is you just keep fighting for them no matter what's going on. And they are watching. Yeah. And that's and you're, you're One of the things somebody gave us this was that... Um, once they start high school, you are starting to launch them. And what we've seen is that a lot of times people don't discipline their children from birth to 12 um, and, and help them understand obedience right. and know and, and really spend time passing things on to them. Then what happens is they kind of play around with them, and isn't that cute? Well, once it gets to be 13, it's not cute anymore. So then what they do is spend the next years trying to control their child who's out of control. Right. So then that doesn't work well. So our, our thing was train them till, till they get to be 12. And then now, once they enter high school, you're in the launching years. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. not in the control, I've got to pull you back in, because that's not going to work. Right. They've got their eyes out. Yeah, they're the sprouting future. wings. Yes. They're ready to so, start having more so independence. So looked at those four years of high school as launching, that, that we had an eye to how are we going to help them launch? Because once they hit college... We don't know what they eat, who they're out with, whether they sleep, whether they study. You have no idea what they're doing. So you've got mm. to you've got to watch what they're doing so you kind of know what you have to work on those last four years. Mm. So we did a couple of things there. We, um, uh, Chris, you'd asked earlier about financial stuff. You know, the kids, as they got into high school, had to start taking responsibility for different financial items, clothing, um, once they started driving gas for the car, things like that. So they had to learn to budget. And that's really what you, basically with money, you want your kids to begin to learn there's trade-offs. You can't have everything and so different categories. So a few categories when they're a junior in high school and then maybe a senior, then go off to college, we would do their budget uh, before they went and they got, you know, they had their money for the semester. You know, gotcha. so football tickets, gas, dates, and they had to figure it out. It wasn't right. doled out monthly. Right. If they ran out in October, so be it. The other thing we did was kind of rolled all this together was that they had to earn enough money to be able to provide for those incidentals. I paid for tuition and things like that, room and board and tuition, but they had to fund all the other stuff, gas for the car, insurance and all that. So they had to get jobs or they had a lawn business, things like that. Mm -hmm. Back to what Julie was saying, uh, we took off all curfews at the end of their junior year. And, of course, a lot of parents were like, what the crossings do? <laughs> they made it. You know, our kids are coming home saying there's no curfew. Well, we figured in one year from then, they were gone, like Julie said. And they have no curfew. Doing, we'd better. So end of their junior year, it was like, we don't care when you come in. Of course, the first few nights, they're out till 3 in the morning. But guess what? 
they started. It wears doing, out after a while. There's nothing to do. <laughs> no one else is out there. It's not fun. But I think that the, the key word there is launch, that, that we're stewards of our kids. And, it, and Julie said it, if you, you know, and I know we're not going back to those early years, but those first five years of really helping them learn to obey you so they can obey God and disciplining them mm-hmm. then makes it easier when they get to their teen years. Yeah. Looking back, what, um, you know, if we look at, I know we've focused a little bit on the teenage years, but if you look back, you know, throughout their childhood and just the young years, the middle years, is there a favorite time that you think, wow, this was really a sweet spot for our family? And um, well, when, what made it that, what made it something that's memorable? Well, I think obviously when they were younger, you could dress them all alike and have to deal with saggy <laughs> pants. And, um, and in all, in all seriousness, those early years were a lot of fun because, yeah. like Julie says, you're in control. Right. And so, but what happens is, and Julie mentioned it, you, you go from commanding and controlling to counseling, and that transition starts to occur in the early teen years. Right. And I, I would say to parents, that is sloppy. There'll be times you'll over-control when you shouldn't and, yeah. and give counsel. And I had to apologize to the boys many times because I've never been a parent before, so right. I'm supposed to go from commanding to counseling, <clears throat> then eventually we'll be peers, and then guess what? The cycle of life is they'll eventually counsel us and then command us. Yeah, right. That's right. the whole deal. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think, Jan, the, um, we've enjoyed, I mean, Julie enjoyed the teen years going to the lake. I mean, so yeah. uh, just kind of depending on the kids, they were different le- levels of enjoyability um, during different ages. But the early years were just a lot of fun because you yeah. had them. And then teen years, you're learning how to, like, we did a family bike ride across the state. Well, our oldest was about ready to get his driver's license. He thought that was just the worst thing ever. <laughs> we thought it was the best thing ever. We're all together on our That's bikes right, and right. activity, and we're riding across 440 miles and all that. And he's like, I just want to get to Savannah so I can get home and get my driver's license. And yeah. now, of course, we haven't been able to get him to ride a bike again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if he wanted to do bike rides, it's like, why should I ride a bike when I can drive my car? But, uh, you know, I, we, but I think the thing is we, we realized that we were raising a posterity that was going to outlive us, children of the living messages you send to a time you will not see. And so I think we, we did the best we could to enjoy them, you know, and that's why we made some of the decisions we made. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we made the decision for Julie to stay home and, and engage with the boys and be, be involved in their lives. And um, being in the business I'm in, I began to see how important it was to be intentional about not just amassing money, but investing money in, in memories. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we... We tried to do that, whether it be a train trip, you know, across the country or go to, you know, California and visit a carrot factory or whatever. We tried <laughs> to do things. Yeah. So I think I, I th- we've, we've tried to enjoy our kids. I would say that uh, really for, as a mom, once the youngest got to four, it's like the world opened up. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Go and do. So, uh, they weren't uh, eating sand like we were talking yeah, about earlier. <laughs> they're so tiny. And, and it's not that I didn't enjoy those years, but that those were harder for me. Sure. Uh, but then once the youngest got to be four, um, I think we decided to enjoy the seasons. Yeah. Because each one is a season. And so... Uh, we loved it when they thought we were wonderful, which is, you know, up until about 12. And then <laughs> in the teen years, I think I probably enjoyed those more because they're, they all, we'd go up to the lake for two weeks and they'd bring all their friends. There'd be, you know, eight or eight or 10 of them. And those were so, it was so fun. I mean, there was yeah. still the rebellion that really hurt, but there was so much fun once they get to be yeah. where they can do stuff with you and just all the crazy stuff they could think of and the conversations between them. I really enjoyed those years. I, I tell you, it was hard. To me, 
the worst the worst season of all is when they graduate from college and get a job and get married and you're not you're not around them anymore. Yeah, you yeah. don't know what's going on in their lives. So that's been your hardest part, if you could deem yeah. one. And I think Julie enjoyed. I think being a guy, and I would just talk about. I think this is maybe a generalization, but I think if a dad is real conscientious, he knows too much about the guys and maybe can tend to be too hard. You know, one of the things I did wrong is yeah. I was probably too hard because I wanted them to turn out, and some of that's your own pride. You don't want them to look right and all that. But I think for Julie, it's a little easier for her to be more relaxed with the boys. That's so true. the flip side if you have a daughter. It is. You're right. absolutely I've right. I've counseled a lot of guys that, hey, you're the most important person in that teenage daughter's life, and she's probably going to go at it with the mom. And that's usually the way it happens because the yeah. mom... No, she gets girl. She gets girl. <laughs> I get girl. Like, yeah, so the, the mom's all over the girl, and so the dad plays a key role there. And I think um, that's why the teen years were probably harder for me because I was yeah. worried about are the boys working hard enough? Yeah, I teach them how to work. You know, I hated the summers because I'm like, how do I keep them active? Yeah. Right. You know, and being a guy, it's like okay. So they don't get in trouble. Yeah. yeah we're not so that's do why video games they have to be active. So it's like okay, you're busy. running the swim team and you're running home and you're because <laughs> you know, we got to figure out how to keep you active. Stay active. But, and that's the thing with boys; they are full on from the minute they wake oh, up to the minute to they get. Yeah. But I think that, that's why it was hard for me because I I grew up on a farm where one my I had to go I got sent to a tractor and just go work all day. Yeah. yeah. Being in an urban environment. How am I going to keep boys busy yeah. and active and not get in trouble? And so I worry mm. more about that. Yeah. And, well, uh, and that, let me visit that too. The work thing, especially in this this um, culture that we're in, it's, it's pretty tough because uh, we can hand our kids everything, mm-hmm. but that's not what's best for them. Right. And so we felt like it's that it, they really need to understand work. They need to want to work. We we saw too many dads who would come say, "Can can my son mow your lawn?" The kid didn't want to do that, and they did a terrible job, left it half done. So this <laughs> was the dad's idea. The kid could care less. That's not teaching them anything. Yeah. So we started praying about how to to in, encourage them to work. So um, they started playing paintball, and we bought them a set at Christmas, just a basic paintball set, the three of them. Well, then they wanted to graduate to the $1,000 guns and the really expensive hoppers. And and so uh, we did not pay one more dime for paintball after the first one. And we told them, if you want all that stuff, you're going to have to work. Mm-hmm. So at that point is really when we moved here. And they had to keep up our lawn and property. So they decided, you know what, we'll just, we're just going to go door to door and see if we can do this for other people. And that's how they started their lawn service. And that's how they supported their paintball habit. Right. <laughs> what that did for them, they started feeling really good about the money that they would earn, and then they'd spend it on, they would be careful. They'd have to give yeah. and spend and save. Correct. But the money that they spent on stuff, they didn't just throw it away. They really researched to make sure, I worked hard for this money, so I want to make sure what I'm getting is really what I want. And um, so then they ended up having to um, help pay for cars. So he, we actually would match them if they made a right. scholarship. But what happened was a lot of their friends were just handed very expensive cars, BMWs yeah. and Mustangs. And they would tell us, because we're thinking, gosh, I uh, <laughs> hope they don't think, you know. Not the same expectation. <laughs> but they would say to us, thank you for making us work for this because we really appreciate what we have. And, and we, we, uh, we feel good about our hmm. cars because we earned them. Yeah. So Julie just said something there that I think is important. Some people ask us, you know, 
how'd you deal with grades and all that? By telling them we would match them for a car if they got the Hope Scholarship, we, we dealt, we handled two things, two things. <laughs> with one deal there. We yeah. didn't worry about their grades because they, they were going to keep them up. They had to get the Hope Scholarship to get matched. So we did two things. They had to work to make money to they get matched. And that keep their grades up. So by having that carrot or that reward or that that issue out there, that handled that made those two things a non-issue all through high school. Well, that wraps up our first episode with the Crossins. In our next one with them, we're going to get into a little bit more about uh, how they went through the process of buying the first car for the boys and their idea of a family car. And they also were going to talk about what they thought had the greatest impact on their relationship with their boys, among a few other things. Uh, But also you heard in this past one, they heard them reference and talk about this idea of uh, personality profiles and colors for their boys. There's a great book called Personality Plus. We're going to put the link on our Facebook page, so be sure to check that out as an additional resource. We hope you found this podcast to be helpful. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, and then leave us a review and let us know what you thought. And as you're listening, if there's somebody that you think that would benefit from this topic, go ahead and share with them so that they can hear this one as well as the ones to come. And then lastly, um, go ahead and check out our Facebook page. We would love any feedback that you have on new topics that you'd like to hear about or any questions that we can answer for you. Thanks so much for listening and hope you'll check out Crossins Part 2. Thanks, everyone. See you later.